0: We're living in unique times, but I could say this, our Jewish people and believers in general have always found themselves in challenging times throughout the centuries. And and I believe today's message will encourage you that although that is true, right? God is with us. Amen? Um, Just so you know, by way of announcement, next week, okay, our service is one hour earlier, so it's going to start at 10 a.m., okay, because um, we want to get, we're going to have, you know, special service, a special time of Hanukkah celebration all rolled into one, so just remember that if you can, and, um, It'll be lots of fun. I guarantee it's going to be fun next week. Always is. So. So with that said, let's pray and pray with me. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey Your Word, that I hear today in Yeshua's name. So a daunting superpower occupied Israel for decades, prior to the events. That precipitated the Maccabean Revolt. The Syrian Greeks had a far superior army, weaponry, and ammunition. They had more resources and were better trained in that they were actually warriors. Their army consisted of seasoned leaders and warriors who had experience and success in conquering kingdoms. There was no doubt in their minds that the anemic Maccabean revolt would be easily snuffed out. The Maccabees were not only dealing with a formidable external threat, but an equally as challenging internal threat. A vast number of Jewish people had been Hellenized, meaning that they assimilated into the Syrian Greek culture. They rejected Torah and cultural expressions as antiquated, irrelevant, and superfluous to an enlightened people. They viewed fellow Jews who practiced Judaism as outdated and something that needed to be expunged from society. They were committed to do everything in their power, including fighting fellow Jews to safeguard their ideological and progressive way of life. This is what the Maccabees were fighting. Pressures within and persecution from the Syrian Greeks. They faced a terrifying and overwhelming situation and the odds were absolutely stacked against them. It would take a bona fide miracle to overcome these mountainous hurdles. There was no humanly devised plan that could produce a victory for this ragtag group. With the odds against them, being the clear underdogs, these Jewish warriors resisted and responded to the threats of their enemies. Today, I want to speak to you about living out the reality of Kanaka. That's what we titled this series. Um, every single day of our lives, to live it out. It's a narrative about the underdog. It's about the underdog that overcomes, and the all underdog in the face of overwhelming odds. Did, have you ever felt like the underdog in the world? Can I tell you, the community of believers have always been the underdog. Always. Okay, believers have been, okay, Jewish people and Jewish believers and believers in Messiah and believers in the living God have been persecuted since day one. Ever the underdog, but God, but God. God has always intervened, and we can say it this way: Yeshua loves an underdog. So, in face of overwhelming odds, and because of our relationship with the God of the universe, and we're saying it today, Immanuel, God with us. God is with us; we can overcome. Every challenge, every hurdle, every difficulty. Listen to me. We know the story. They didn't just pray. They prayed and they fought. They fought for everything that they held true. And so we will fight as well. And God will use our human efforts and produce a divine victory. He always has and he always will. There's a little story I found which speaks to um, this theme. A farmer was sitting on the front porch one summer evening when a newspaper boy came to deliver his paper. The boy noticed a sign on the porch which read puppies for sale. He got off his bike and said to the farmer, how much do you want for the pups, mister? $25, son. The boy's face dropped. Well, sir, could I at least see them anyway? The farmer whistled, and in a moment, the mother dog came bounding around the corner of the house, tagged by four cute puppies, wagging their tails and yipping happily. At last, another puppy came straggling around the house, dragging one leg leg behind. What's the matter with that puppy, mister? The boy asked the farmer. Well, son, that puppy is crippled. We took her to the vet and he took an x-ray and the pup doesn't have a hip joint and that leg will never be right. To the amazement of the farmer, the boy dropped his bike, reached for his collection bag and took out a 50 cents piece. Please, mister, I want to buy that pup. I'll pay you 50 cents each week until that $25 is paid. Honest, I will, mister, The farmer said, but son, you don't seem to understand. That pup will never be able to run or jump. That pump is going to be a cripple forever. Why in the world would you want such a useless pup as that? The boy reached down and pulled up his pant leg, revealing a brace holding a poor twisted leg. Mister, the boy said, that pup is going to need someone who understands him to help him in life. And we need to understand that we might be the underdog. We might not have the ability in the natural to get it done, but God wants to help us get along in our life. And he always has proven himself faithful to be the one to come alongside us and enable us and cause us to overcome through challenging times. There's truly no greater example of an underdog than a sinner, right, who has been crippled by the effects of sin. He's been cut off from God. Think of that. Unable to help himself. Yet Yeshua is for the sinner. And just like God was for the Maccabees, that's why Yeshua came. He understands our condition. And by his death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh, we have help in this life and hope for the life to come. We have help in this life and we have hope in this life. And in the life to come. I don't know about you, but every day I need the hope of Yeshua. Every day I need to find it in His Word. Every day I need to find it in prayer. Every day I need to find it in His presence. He is the living God. And because He's the living God, He communicates to us. He manifests His presence to us. And He helps us in everyday life. It's interesting, the etymology of the word underdog. The word underdog originated through a popular 19th century song by David Barker called The Underdog in the Fight. I know the world, this is the the song, doesn't really make sense to me, but (laughs) totally. um, I know the world that the great big world will never a moment stop to see which dog may be in the fault but will shout for the dog on top But for me, I shall never pause to ask which dog may be in the right, for my heart will beat while it beats it all for the underdog in the fight. So that term underdog is the one that's disadvantaged, the one that shouldn't win, the one that should lose, the one that should be defeated. And we can look throughout our history as Jewish people and even as uh, believers in Messiah in any century and we're always faced with these odds that are stacked against us. And certainly it's no different for the time of the Maccabees and the Hanukkah story that we celebrate beginning tomorrow. As we look through the Bible on this subject, we will find that the Lord is always on the side of the underdog when the underdog is on the side of the Lord. Amen? So listen to what God says about Israel. See, if you ever wonder why is Israel so desperately in need to stay and be connected to God, it's this reason here, Devarim 7. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples of the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. He didn't choose you, in other words, because you would be so dominant. In fact, he chose you because he decided to choose choose you even though you're gonna be the underdog your whole life long. And even today, Israel sits surrounded by hostile nations, clearly in the natural the underdog, but with God's help, the victor. So the reason the Maccabees had hope that they could defy these overwhelming odds that they faced was because they were underdogs before in history. See, it's not the first time they drew on their history and they were able to see how God came through in the community of Israel before. And so we're going to look at a few examples of that as we go through this message because we too have the same lineage. We have the same history to draw upon. Why could we expect God to help us? Because God has always helped us. It's the same reason you have faith at all, because you've experienced things prior. So how about David's mighty men? Following are the names, and I'm Following are the names of David's warriors, his heroes. Yoshev, Bashevet, the Tach, Komoni, chief of the three, also known as Adino in the Etzni. He is the one, now listen to this, he is the one who came against 800 men. Sounds like a a video game. Right? (laughs) right? It sounds like a a movie, a superhero movie, doesn't it? He came against 800 men whom he killed in a single encounter. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the son of Ahokhi, one of the three warriors with David when they put their lives in jeopardy against the plishtim who were there assembled for battle, while the men of Israel had gone away. He stood firm and attacked the police until his hand went into spasm so they couldn't let go of his sword. It just stuck to him because he was fighting so ferociously but really with the help of the Lord. And then look what it says in the next verse. Adonai accomplished a great victory that day. Who accomplished the victory? (laughs) Adonai accomplished a great victory. Adonai accomplished a great victory that day but... The people didn't return until he had finished, and then only to plunder the bodies of the dead. After him was Shema, the son of Agay, the Harari. The plishtim had assembled at Lachi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the plishtim. But he stood in the middle of the plot and defended it, killing the plishtim, and Aronai brought about a great victory." you have several things taking place here. One, you had people willing to fight, right? Obviously, people of faith. And you had God. No army, really no resources, a sword. In the one instance, 800 against one. Come on, if we're honest, most of us would say, okay, let's turn and <laughs> go the other direction, right? But Adonai gave a victory. How could we ever see a miracle we're talking we're in the season of Hanukkah, we sang about all the miracles in al Hanisim, all of God's miracles. How could we see a miracle if we're not in a spot where we need a miracle? Right? Now, that's the tricky part, isn't it? To go out on the limb. And trust God. But look, God was faithful. Tehillim 60 in verse 12 says, Through God, Selah, we will do valiantly. That's what it says. For it is he who shall tread down our enemies. Say through God. Adonai gave a great victory. It is through God. And I want to say this, that though we are often underdogs in the natural, you plus God are able to overcome. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean you don't have to do anything. That doesn't mean you don't have to step out in faith. That doesn't mean you won't be nervous. Because I bet you what, I'll be nervous. say 800 people. <laughs> Yee. But when we give God an opportunity to do miraculous things, God does miraculous things. See, in our own strength and through human efforts, we will likely fail when we face overwhelming odds. But if God is for us and he fights our battles, we, like the Maccabees, will gain the victory. The Lord here in Shemot 14.14, listen to some of these verses. These are promises from God. Shemot 14.14, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord will fight for you. 2 Chronicles 20. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Yehuda and Yerushalayim, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them. That's the tricky part. (laughs) Tomorrow, go out against them. Get suited up and go out and the Lord will be with you. The Lord will be with you. Devarim 20 and verse 4, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. To give you the victory. Now, again, I want to caution you, that doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean we have to put in, we don't have to put in effort. We do what we need to do and God does what only he can do. Amen? Devarim 3.22, you shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. I'll give you one more, Yeshayahu 54, 17, which we know well. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall conf- confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me declares the Lord. No weapon that is fashioned, nor that tells me that weapons will be fashioned against us. Just like weapons were fashioned against, against the Maccabees, it was a whole Syrian army. These people were successful and good at conquering kingdoms. They were fashioned against them, but guess what? God gave the victory. How long did it take, Rabbi Michael? Did God just do it in a day? No, we know after three years of fighting, they rededicated the temple, and we know another five to seven years of fighting until the war was won. See, we read those things in a sentence and we think it's instantaneous. But I want to encourage you, fight the good fight of faith. God is on your side. God will give you the victory. may not be easy. Yeah, you might have to scrape and claw and fight and pray and believe and speak the word and declare God's greatness. Friends, we serve a great and mighty and awesome God. Emmanuel, God with us. We sang it today, God is with us. That has to mean something to you and to me. Well, let's look at another person that Maccabees could look to to encourage themselves in their fight against the enemies of God. How about Gidon? Gidon was an underdog, he was scared. And insecure yet, in order to show him that it was God who would deliver Israel, Gideon's army, if you remember, was pared down to only 300 men. That's 300 men against thousands. God pared them down. Isn't that the antithesis of what most of us would do? No, 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 we want. we don't even care if they want to fight as long as we have warm bodies. Let's get as many as possible. God said, no. I only want 300. Because you're going to see the deliverance of the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. What did they do? They cried out to the Lord. They cried out to God. Verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophra, which belonged to Yoash, the Abizrite, while his son Gidon threshed weed in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you. Mighty man of valor. Mighty petrified man of valor. Mighty, scared man of valor, the Lord is with you. It's okay to feel scared. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel like, my goodness gracious, how could I ever get this done? Because the Lord saw in Gideon just a willing vessel. Do you think the Lord doesn't know what he's capable of doing? We read a passage in Yochanan in the Bible study where they're coming to Yeshua and they're saying, oh, you testify about yourself. Your testimony isn't, isn't valid because you're testifying of Yeshua, uh, about yourself. What kind of testimony is that? And Yeshua just looks at him and says, friend, my testimony is valid because I know where I came from and where I'm going. I'm secure in my relationship with the Father. I know how this is going to end. It's going to end well. Ultimately, it's going to end well. And it is that faith and trusting God, that understanding that the Lord is with you. Emmanuel. What's the name of this congregation? Bait? Emmanuel, the house of God with us. So let's see how the story ends with Gidon and Shoftim, chapter 6, and now chapter 7, verse 16. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. Wow, what a a conventional uh, strategy. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise, watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beit Acheah toward Zehra as far as the border of Avel Meholah by Tabath. Then the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher and all Man- uh, Manasseh and pursued the Midianites. The sword of the Lord and Gideon The sword of the Lord. God caused an impossibility to be done. But Gideon had to follow through on the things he needed to do, didn't he? You think Gideon was afraid? We know he was. Think he was nervous? Oh, yeah. A little insecure? Absolutely. But guess what? He did it. And God came through. As we juxtapose this account with the Maccabean resistance they have one thing in common Antiochus Epiphanes what you th- think about the Gaul right to call yourself that which basically means the manifestation of God that's who we thought he was the manifestation of God and goes and what does he really do what is the story about is the Hanukkah story is really about a man thinking that he's God going into the temple of the living God and declaring war on the God of Israel. He's going to walk into the temple that God ordained and he desecrates it. And then he's going to go against God's people and persecute them. Talk about an overinflated ego. But the reality was God was with them just like he was with Gidon. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. It's interesting that years later, Yeshua would stand in the rebuilt temple during Hanukkah. Yeshua, who is Emmanuel, God with us, and actually stand in the temple. You don't find Antiochus the Fourth anywhere to be found. You don't find the temple in ruins. It's rebuilt. It's restored. Just as it needed to be so the Mashiach could walk into it and say, hey, 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 I know what he said, but now God is with you. And this is what God looks like. He doesn't bring destruction. He brings blessings. And he said to them, hey, believe just because of the things you see, the miracles and the wonders of God, the healings and the multiplication of food and and all the things that only God could do. God is with you. Next, Eliyahu was an underdog. Remember him? Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah, the prophet, was an underdog according to human standards when he went up against the 450 prophets of Baal. You have one prophet of God and 450 prophets that are demonized and given themselves over to every evil spirit imaginable. Melachim Aleph, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 22. It says, Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left, a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls, And let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it into pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire is God. Again, you see the prophet, calling on God. He knows that his only help, his only aid, his only way to victory here isn't to think of something ingenious it's to just simply call on God that's how simple it is. Just trust in God, just believe in God but there are other things going on, right? Things that had to get done He was doing those things in the natural but believing God in his heart. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. Do you get the sense that he's crying out to God with a sort of desperation? God, hear me. You've seen. I've done this. I'm out on a limb, God. Dig a trench. Fill it with water. Saturate the offering. I mean, if you don't come through, God, it's going to look really bad. And he's crying out in desperation to God. Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. What does it say, verse 38? Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Don't you want to see that one on on video? Yes, God, there's video in heaven. Do you think? VHS recorded. For us who, who remember what those are. Now when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let one of them escape. And they took care of the prophets of Baal. He was the underdog, clearly. But who was with him? God? Who's with you? God. You know know what I love? Eliyahu is the underdog here. He faces the demonic horde of two or four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal, chanting and cutting, and you know they're doing all these rituals. It looked probably so bizarre, like one of those horror movies. They're bleeding all over the place. They're chanting to their god. Or they're chanting to demons. But there's little old. Eliyahu Hanavi. He doesn't shrink back. Instead, he doubles down and calls on the name of the Lord, lifting up his voice in prayer. He understood who his God was and that God was able to save him from the prophets of darkness. That's where we have to be, friends. That's where we have to be because God Friend, I'm reading you stories. These are real stories. They happened. The reason you could believe today is because these men and women that in the scripture did it. God came through or else we wouldn't be here. Look what it says. This is what I love. Yaakov 5, verse 16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Eliyahu was only a human being like us. So, who do you think stood there in front of those 450 prophets in ecstatic demonic worship? It was a human being just like you and just like me who looked at that and said, That ain't right. That ain't God you want to see God, I'll show you him. The effectual, fervent prayer, keyword next, of the righteous avails much. So here again, the Maccabees had a history with God to draw upon as they found themselves in the position of an underdog. I'm sure like Eliyahu, they prayed, they believed God, and they did what they needed to do in the natural to win a great victory, and a great victory was won. So what about us? What can we draw upon? How about the track record of Yeshua? And his willingness to come to the aid of the underdog, let me give you one last one, Zachai, or Zacchaeus, in the Greek pronunciation, Yeshua entered Jericho and was passing through. when a man named Zakai appeared, who was a chief tax collector and a wealthy man. He was trying to see who Yeshua was, but being short, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed a fig tree in order to see him, for Yeshua was about to pass that way. When he came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zakkai, hurry, come down, because I have to stay at your house today. He climbed down as fast as he could and welcomed Yeshua joyfully. Everyone who saw it began muttering this, He's gone to be in the house, a house guest of this sinner? Does Yeshua know who he is? He's a tax collector. He's dirty, he's filthy, he's a sinner. Does he know what he's doing? But Zaki stood there and said to the Lord, here, Lord, I am giving half of all I own to the poor, and if I had cheated anyone, I will pay him back four times as much. Yeshua said to him, today salvation has come to this house inasmuch as this man too is a son of Avraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. You can easily say he came to seek and save the underdog. Zikai had a bad reputation. Talk about an underdog. He was a tax collector. He wasn't beloved in Israel. He was considered a traitor. A traitor to his own people. Zakkai was a sinner. Strike two. What leverage would he have with the righteous Messiah? How is a sinner going to have access to the anointed one? Next, he was wealthy, but due to his occupation, ill-gotten gain as far as the Jewish people were concerned, blood money. He was despised because the way he acquired his wealth, which left him lonely and friendless. Have you ever watched The Chosen, the way they portray Matthew? Right? In a similar light. There's no doubt he's an underdog. Although his name means righteous one, that's what his name means. Irony, right? His life was a denial of that, and the Jewish community knew it, and so did he, quite frankly. He knew he wasn't living right. He knew he wasn't doing right. But he changes in the story, doesn't he? He was an undersized man, if we could say it like that. Vertically challenged. He was of a short stature, making him unable to see past the crowd in order to get Yeshua's attention. He couldn't do it. it would be like a kid trying to You know, we realize Yeshua's being thronged. There's thousands upon thousands. He's an underdog here. And here's the key to the story. He humbled himself and climbed a tree so he could get Yeshua's attention. You know what? I'm not afraid to do what I need to do to get in touch with God. I'm not afraid that I'm going to look silly or be ridiculed. Hey, shorty, what are you doing? Climbing the fig tree or whatever else may come his way. He was willing to do whatever he needed to do, and that takes humility. See, all these serve to remind him of his underdog status, but the story doesn't end there because Yeshua's heart is for the underdog. And Zakkai was singled out by Yeshua. He got an opportunity out of all those people there. Think about it. Yeshua picked him out and had a personal interaction with him. Yeshua addresses him by name. He realized he was wanted by the Messiah. He understood that Yeshua was not embarrassed to be his friend. That's a reality for a lot of people. A lot of people feel like they're the outcasts of society. But Yeshua is not embarrassed of you. Not at all. He calls you by name. Acknowledges you. He eventually tired of his sin in verse 8. And he starts for a tax collector to want to give his money away. (laughs) Is really... really shows that he was repentant, shows that he was changing in the presence of God. He knew that Yeshua loved him. I think the Maccabees knew that God loved them. I think Gidon realized that God loved him. I think David's mighty men Understood that the God of Israel was for them. How about you today? Do you believe God's for you? Do you believe that there's nothing impossible with God, that you and God are a majority? That there's nothing he can't do for you and with you? Doesn't mean that it will be a linear, you know, arc to your destination but guess what? It might be filled with ups and downs and two steps forward and a step back and but I'll tell you what, with God you will win the victory and by the way I've known many of you for many 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 years you're still here still walking with the Lord still fighting the fight of faith I know what some of you have been through, you're still here That's a testimony to God. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But it means you'll win. Isn't that the important thing? I think so. (laughs) You see, Yeshua is always for the underdog and he is always for you. So Yeshua is always for me. Always. Always for you. So maybe you feel overwhelmed and overrun. By life's challenges. Perhaps you're being tempted to compromise and go along with the crowd like the Maccabees were, what was happening in those days. If you are, you can be assured that God will bring about victory in your life if you resist those temptations. You see, we belong to Emmanuel, God with us. And he promises. Isn't that interesting that of all the things Yeshua promises, I will never leave you. Never leave you. But God, I could think of many times in my life where I where I felt like you were nowhere to be found. Did God leave me in those times? Only my perception of his presence perhaps left or lifted. But it doesn't mean God leaves. And in your life, perhaps you feel God's a million miles away. I can guarantee you he's not. God's not hearing my cry. Oh, I'll guarantee you he is. But you don't know, Rabbi, how hard it's been. I guarantee you he knows. And he's still with you. And next year, you're going to still be chugging on with God if you don't give up, Amen. if you don't quit the fight. Like Eliyahu, we can cry out to the Lord, the God of Israel in Yeshua's name, and see him come to our aid. But these are the lessons we learn from these people. We understand God was with them, but they believed it. We see them crying out to God. When's the last time you cried out to God? I don't mean prayed. I mean cried out to God. Cried out to God. Where God, (laughs) if you don't, in desperation, not that you were desperate, but you were desperate, if you know what I mean. whatever state we are in, we should know that Yeshua wants to come to our house today. He does. He wants to come to your house today. And he wants to help you through your challenging moments. Because that's who he is. He wants to come to your house, your situation, your challenge, your hardship. And he wants to come to you and help you. Let us believe and expect God to be active in our lives. Especially because we're the underdog. You know, I think of things that are happening in the world. And haven't you ever felt this? What could I do? Feels like you're just spitting into the wind. <laughs> Doop, comes right back. Doop, comes right back. You could feel like that. But I want to tell you that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. It avails much. So keep praying, keep believing, keep trusting, keep expecting God who is with you. I don't have to wonder if God's with you. I know God's with you. He said he's with you. And I believe him. Live like Could you imagine if we lived like God was with us? How would you feel in every moment? God's with me. God's with me as this horrible thing is going down before my eyes. God is with me. I remember I was in a situation a while back, and as it's going down, I'm saying to myself, God, uh, could you uh, help? (laughs) Because I'm totally at a loss. As to what I should do here. And he answered me. And he helped me, just like he helps you. And I tell you, you know, we always want um, these exotic prescriptions, super spiritual things, but it really is a simple, simple formula. The God of the universe came. He died. He was buried. He rose again. He poured out his spirit upon us and he lives in us through the Ruach HaKodesh. And the God of the universe who breathed and spoke the world into being lives inside of you. And you have access to him every single waking second of your day. And let me say this. If you don't believe that, then you don't believe the gospel at all. Because that's what the gospel says. It's what it promises. Yeshua said, I will be with you to the end of time. So, If we believe it and we can expect it, let's go out and act like it. The Maccabees acted like it. David's mighty men acted like it. Gidon acted like it. Zakkai acted like it eventually. (laughs) The Talmudim of Yeshua acted like it. And we are here because of them. We are the fruit of their life with God. Amen. so let's stand on our feet. God will never leave you, or, and he will never forsake you. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word today, Lord. God, I thank you that it's true, that you're with us, that you live in our hearts through faith, And Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to live every second that we breathe. Lord, with that reality in the forefront of our minds and hearts. God, that as we go out into the world and face challenges and struggles and victories and celebrations, God, that we would do it all knowing that you're with us in every single moment. And Father, we are quick to give you the praise and the glory. Abba, we thank you for what you've done for us through Yeshua. Lord, we're grateful, Lord, for his great sacrifice on our behalf. And Lord, we're thankful that he poured out the Ruach upon us and made us the community of the living God. Father, we are grateful today. Father, I pray that you would empower each of us to live in light of these truths that we would be those who advance your kingdom and see powerful things in our day. And we ask it, Peshem Yeshua. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Stretch out your hand. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Father, I pray that the sweet shalom of heaven would rest upon each one. Father, I pray that divine health would be upon each person. Father, I pray that you would bring healing and health to their bones. Father, that you would encourage those who are downcast. Lord, and you would uplift their soul and spirits. And Father, I pray that you would be with them in this week. B'Shem Yeshua and God's people said. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. God bless. And Chag Sameach. Have a first great day of Hanukkah as you celebrate tomorrow with your family. Amen.